Warning, you are now listening to Up in Flames. We up in flames, yeah. We up in flames, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Let me hear it, Lambo. We up in flames. We up in flames. We up in flames. Yeah, we up in flames, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we up in flames, yeah. Yeah, uh, we up in flames, hold on, uh, check this go. We up in flames, yeah, uh, we up in, uh, yeah, yeah, we up in flames, yeah. Woo! We up in, uh, yeah, we up in flames, we up in flames. Welcome back, everybody. It's Off The Ball Network Monday, and you are now tuned in to another edition of Up In Flames. And boy, I got a loaded show for you guys today. But I have an even better guest who's going to make this show amazing. Y'all might know him from the Off The Glass podcast. I know him as Zach Ramey. A fan of no team, but a lover of basketball is his slogan. And he lives and dies by that in all of his takes Nothing is biased when it comes from this guy. So, Zach, what's going on, bro? Nothing much, Mo. Thanks for having me, man. Last time we we were on together, we had a great conversation, as we like to say, a great build. So I'm excited to be on Up in Flames one more time, man. You Shout out to you, man. You do incredible things. You, your brand is building. The show is building. And you guys just over there thought the ball network in general. But we're here on Up in Flames. You just keep putting out great content. So anything you need from me, I'm always down to support. And you support me as well. So, you know, I don't want to not say that because I've been telling people that lately, man. This support that I've been getting from people like yourself, just people I've never met in person, has mm-hmm. just been super incredible. So on your show, I just want to say thank you for that. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, 100%. And for those listening on Dash Radio here on the Nothing But Net channel, like I said, we're going to have a great show. But, I mean, Zach, you do deserve the love that you get. Thank I mean, you. you put in work, you put in time, and you can tell the quality of your show the quality of your takes, there's nothing, nothing seems like really random. Everything seems thought out. So, I mean, you definitely deserve every flower that people give you. Thank but what, you. I appreciate that. Yeah, 100%. So I want to jump straight into it. Mm-hmm. Amazing NBA season. We'll get into the man of the hour. Uh, after we just kind of talk about the overall season wrap up, my thoughts on this season, and a lot of people felt like the playoffs would be a little dry. We had some star players injured. We had some key players on some, you know, competitive teams that had a chance of winning the championship went down. And then we seen a Phoenix Suns and a Milwaukee Bucks. Kind of, if you would have said, predicted that at the beginning of the season, a lot of people would have thought you were crazy. Not necessarily the Milwaukee Bucks, mm-hmm. but Phoenix Suns, I don't think anybody's seen them as a championship level team. But for me, to me, it comes all down to the playoffs. And what I witnessed in the playoffs, first off, ratings went up. So for people yep. to this wasn't as entertaining well the ratings say otherwise everybody was you know all in on the nba playoffs but for me what i got from it is the nba is going to be great for at least another 10 to 15 years at the very least i could and know when i get into my 40s i'm still going to be watching good basketball because the young stars took over this whole playoffs i mean devin booker what an amazing job he did uh to Doncic in the first round. I know they ended up losing, but you know, the stellar performance he had against the Clippers. We've even seen guys, comeback guys like Campaign for the Phoenix Suns, who there were, yep. you know, 
GM saying he doesn't even deserve to be in the NBA. He's more of an overseas type player. And now you see him really make a name for himself and contribute to a true championship contender. So I just look at, you know, Mikel Bridges, what Phoenix did overall made me, you know, I know that the future of the league is in good hands, but to see some of these guys who are getting up there in age and we're kind of transitioning and we're seeing the young superstars. I mean, and then we go to the Easter conference and we saw Trey young. I mean, oh. I don't want to necessarily say he's the second coming of Steph Curry, but he has some similarities. It may not be dead on, but he has some similarities in the Atlanta Hawks, how they're building that franchise has some similarities where we saw building and hitting on all draft picks is the same way the golden golden state warriors were kind of able to build build their championship dynasty. I think the Hawks were ahead of schedule, but when you're ahead of schedule, that's really great. We had a a coming out year with Julius Randle and, and some of the young talent over there with the New York Knicks. So when you look at just the the young guys and the young up and coming, the future superstars of the league, I know for the next 10 to 15 years, the NBA is in great hands. And then we look at this loaded draft class and even the draft class from last year, some of the rookies, what was said, this isn't the strongest draft class in the world. I mean, you know better than I do because you dove deep into last year's draft. Yeah, I did. Yep. The show. So, you know. What do you say? What just what are your overall thoughts? What do you say to that? And just your overall thoughts now that the season's over, you know, what you took from this past season? Well, first and foremost, I didn't know what to expect due to uh COVID uh shortened season last year. We knew the turnaround was gonna be quick, so I didn't know what to expect. We didn't know how many positive tests, protocol. We saw different teams hit hard, whether it was the Washington Wizards or the Dallas Mavericks. We've seen teams yanked in and out. We saw guys get injured. We saw uh, a rise in soft tissue injuries, which I believe has something to do with the turnaround. But overall, Mo, I couldn't agree with you more. What I've been saying all along on my podcast is how deep the talent is in the NBA. And to your point, how the NBA is in great shape for years to come. I mean, you didn't even mention the run that Ja Morant had. Jason Tatum showed up this year. Uh, Nikola Jokic was the MVP and played well with Denver. We saw Embiid on a torn meniscus play well. And, you know, it was just a lot of loaded talent in the NBA. And one thing I'm glad the ratings backed up, because if you pay attention to your timeline or if you rely on major media markets, they'll have you thinking that the NBA isn't good enough because LeBron James might have been out or Kevin Durant didn't make it pass or Anthony Davis was out. And for me, the ratings prove that if you have great basketball being played because let's just be honest if we get away from all the big names who might not have been there and just look at the finals it was a well played competitive finals I mean even game five which was probably the best played game on both sides both teams shot over 50 percent from the field and the Milwaukee Bucks shot I'm no Phoenix shot close to 60 from three and it's because of the unbelievable skill level the unbelievable shot making so to your point the league is in great shape, and I'm just glad that because it seemed like we won in both ways. You hear people complaining about all we was getting was Warriors and LeBron James, right? And then mm-hmm. the Warriors and Kevin Durant. We were complaining about the Lakers. But then you finally get two smaller market teams. You get a star that was homegrown in that market. I mean, I know he's from Greece, but homegrown in that market, right. stayed loyal to that market wins the championship, but then still people are not happy. So I just think sometimes we have to just ignore all the outside noise, appreciate basketball, and just, again, appreciate life because we just went through a lot and we're still going through uh, a lot as the pandemic 
doesn't seem to quite quite want to shake us. So just appreciate when we do have the things that we can enjoy. And that's what I did this season. And I'm going to offer this caveat for me, the, the, the Hawks mirror the Warriors because of Travis Slank, who comes over from the Warriors. And I've been saying, and I did a podcast comparing them. I think Trey Young is more of this version, this generation is Nate Archibald, ten, Tiny Archibald, who led the league in scoring and assists. That's who uh, Trey Young really reminds me of because of his dynamics as far as shooting the ball, not shooting, but scoring the ball as well to be able to play make. And I know we're going to get that to that in a second because the U.S. definitely can use uh, a Trey Young right now. But no, I agree with you, Mo. That's my take on it. The NBA is in great shape. Last year's draft, I told people, and we're getting to the point now with basketball, and I was talking to one of my friends about this earlier. We're going to have to start separating guys that just really know how to play basketball because I think the skill level in the game is just up across the board. Everybody in last year's draft, even overseas we've seen with the Olympics, everybody can score, pass, dribble to a certain degree. Now we got to see who can really learn and know how to play the game, and I think that's what's going to separate guys because, again, the talent is at a high level in the NBA, and I would say globally in basketball, period. Right, and and that's a key thing that you said, and even something you said a little bit earlier was the fact that we want it one way. When it goes that way and it, it, re, and it reverts to another way, we're upset about that. Nobody's ever fully satisfied. Like you said, people were tired of seeing LeBron versus the Warriors, and then now like it's totally opposite, two small market teams in the NBA playing for a championship, and now it's one of those, well, uh, this isn't the best matchup that we could get. But me, I, you know, I'm a huge LeBron fan, and I, I love yeah, Steph Curry and what they do. Yep. I'm definitely a huge LeBron fan. But this, to me, was arguably the best finals we've saw since 2016. You know, when, when LeBron and point. down 3-1. When I look at just the matchup, how even it was, the disadvantages Phoenix had against Milwaukee – there was some disadvantages Milwaukee had against Phoenix, and those were kind of exposed in the first two games. So I look at the matchup itself. It didn't go seven. So people will be like, it can't be the best finals. It didn't go seven. When you just talk about the true matchup and how great of a basketball series it was, it's one of the mm-hmm. best finals I've watched in a long time, and I compare it to the 2016 NBA Finals, which, you know, that was, you know, must-see TV. That was like an instant classic series with the Cavs coming back down 3-1, you had LeBron, Kyrie Irving, Steph Curry, Clay and Draymond. I mean, you had stars all across the board. So that kind of leads me into the star, you know, of this series and that's Giannis Antetokounmpo. So he he has a resume that he's establishing a legacy. He yeah. now has the championship, which means he's building a legacy. Typically, we don't see guys start really building legacies until and he was a weird case because he up until winning his first championship, he got two MVPs. He has a comeback player of the year. He has a defensive player of the year award. Had an argument that he could have three MVPs right now, but I think mm-hmm. he may really get that LeBron kind of treatment, even that Kobe tri- where, okay, we're tired of giving this guy the MVP. So who's the best player outside of him? We've seen it happen with Kobe. We've seen it happen with LeBron. These guys didn't get it, even though we knew they were the best player in the game because they were trying to give flowers to everybody else. Or, you know, now it's a narrative driven award. award. Yep. Yep. It's, it's who has the best story, who has the best odds of not winning MVP and had an amazing season. Jokic deserved it. So I'm not taking away from him, but I'm just saying, I think Giannis will start getting that treatment with already having two before he's now going into his prime and has a championship and a finals MVP to add on to everything else he has. Now, 
obviously we're 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 a part of NBA Twitter. We see what's going on. So I've seen some <laughs> things that have struck stuck out to me. And I think it's one of those people my age included that don't love basketball the way I do, that don't know the history of basketball the way I do, are ready to crown Giannis. I mean, I've already seen right now, they consider him the second greatest power forward of all time. And I, that's a take I've seen consistently. Wow. Like, <laughs> I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, I, and I saw it consistently. So that's why I want to touch up on his legacy because I'm like, okay, to me, the greatest power forward of all time is Tim Duncan. But to put him at number two means what he's done in his career. If his career ended right now, he's ahead of Kevin Garnett. He's ahead of Dirk Nowitzki on top of others. You know, he's ahead of Charles Barkley. I understand Charles Barkley doesn't have a ring, but what he did for the game was amazing. He's ahead. Of, you put him ahead of Carl Malone already. And I'm not saying he doesn't have an argument for those guys, but just to de- he's number two. He's he's when it's all said and done, he's going to be the greatest power forward of all time. Like he's won a championship, but don't be prisoner at a moment. So when you see what Giannis has done so far and kind of a little projection of what you think he'll be. What is Giannis's legacy at this moment? And what do you think his the highest point of his legacy could be when his career is all said and done? I mean, that's a great question. Um, it's interesting because I was on the, the Giannis bandwagon early and I, I had the receipts. I had wrote a, bo- a blog post back when I was really blogging like 2017. And I think that's the year he got his first MVP award, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And, He's in year four then, and I was compared him to like Larry Bird, Magic, LeBron. I picked Dr. J because he was a, a power forward. I think I had uh, Kareem on there. Got to have Jordan just to see where he was. And like he was already on pace with some of those guys. Kareem was the most absurd. He had already won two MVPs by year four in a championship. Magic, of course, with his early success. Bird had a championship. Jordan with his prolific scoring, Dr. J accomplished with the ABA at that point in his career. But Giannis was already on par with the greats. And then even coming into last season, I just looked it up. You know, I do the chess piece uh, breakdown to rank my players. And I actually had him number two coming into last season behind LeBron James, who uh, I, I admit the year before I probably overthought it a year too soon. But I went on and made him number one. Him and Giannis shared my king pieces. So I already had Giannis as probably the second best player this season, he actually had the same type of NBA caliber season MVP. The advanced numbers wasn't there that Jokic dominated. And that was more of a product of like team roster construction was a little bit different this year, adding a drew holiday, Chris Middleton still being there. They had other guys that stepped up and scored a little bit. So the dynamic wasn't quite there. The defense wasn't as sharp throughout the season. So he didn't dominate some of those advanced stats before our traditional numbers mode, the numbers were still there. He was still having the MVP candidate season. And I remember talking about it. Like we're just talking about LeBron again. Uh, we were giving him B some love, rightfully so Jokic some love, rightfully so. But I'm like, why we're ignoring Giannis. Giannis is having another MVP type season. So to your point, I think it's going to get a little bit where he might get a little bit fatigued because he's done all this and he's 26. Like he's yeah. not even 27 yet. So I'm always cautious as far as writing people's legacy. Number one, we're all writing our legacy every day. Until you take your last breath, you're always writing your le- your legacy. So mm-hmm. in Giannis' case, until he takes his last dribble and his last shot, we're going to always write the legacy. For him, it's going to matter about how many different accomplishments he has. That's when you start talking about the top 10 to 15 guys, when you want to say 
you're jumping over all time greats because I'm going to say it on your pod. I say it on other people's pods. My wife always says you cannot control when you're born. We can only look at the era that you played in and see mm-hmm. if you dominated. That's it. I don't want to hear about what it looked like when Will Chamberlain played or Bill Russell. Yeah, we can look at some different numbers and try to come to some common ground. But bottom line, I believe what makes great players great is the same thing in every era. They'll just adjust to the era that they're in. If you're great, you're great. So I will slow down on the greatest or second greatest power forwards. Let's let him rewrite, you know, write his legacy some more. But he's going to have a case. I think arguably you can say he's probably surpassed Barkley and Malone in just overall body of work. I mean, Malone has the MVPs with him, but no championship. And he has a finals MVP which he dominated. He averaged 37 points and almost 14 rebounds in their four wins and 35 and 12 for the overall series. So to me, he kind of is right there above KG, Barkley, and Malone as far as accomplishments, but I'm not going to just throw him over them either. I mean, I think they all have a great case. That's what makes it so tough. But I would say let's just slow our our, our breaks a little bit. Um, Personally speaking, uh, I know legacy-wise a little bit different. I like KG over Duncan. I think if KG gets Duncan's scenario, I'm not knocking Tim Duncan's greatness, but I think mm-hmm. if you put KG in San Antonio with KG's skill set, he gets more than one championship probably. I think it's fair to say. Um, that's just my opinion. Uh, let's not forget about Kevin McHale as far as his skill set at that position. So I'll just say this. Let's Let's wait a little bit. Let Giannis give us a couple more years, but if you want to say he's top, four or five or three somewhere in there at the highest I wouldn't be mad at you yeah and you said something and so I have this conversation when we compare because sometimes in certain instances I won't say the greatest player of all time but when we talk about all-time greats sometimes there's a guy behind them on that list who was actually better and the difference between greatness and being just flat out more talented is the accomplishments in your career right right I think KG was a better player than Tim Duncan. And I think if you put KG in San Antonio, I do think he has that same great career. That's like if I go to the football realm, to me, what's, he's done unprecedented, unprecedented things. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, but he's not the most talented guy. He's not the best quarterback right. seen. Even right. in his own era, I think that, I think that Peyton Manning is better. But I look at being better and being greatness is measured by your accomplishments, your championships. That's when you get put on the great level. So I do agree with you is that that's why like Tim Duncan, five championships, a couple MVPs, obviously numerous all-star games. That's where he would win to me in the argument of he's a great, he's had a greater career than Kevin Garnett, but that doesn't mean to say that Kevin Garnett wasn't a better player. That doesn't mean to say if we was to pick a team right now, a lot of people would probably pick Kevin Garnett over Tim Duncan because he was the more talented player, but also greatness is about situation. If you're put in the right situation with the right coach, I mean, you even look at Michael Jordan. It's not to take away from Michael Jordan, but once he got Phil Jackson and was able to get Scottie Pippen, he was a great player. He still was probably the best player you had ever seen up to that point, but his greatness started coming when the situation got better and you brought Scottie Pippen and they have a first three-peat with Phil Jackson. Then for the second three-peat, you bring in Dennis Rodman. You, you, You add pieces to make the best situation possible for Michael Jordan. And so had he not got that situation, he could be in that case where like 
He's probably the he's probably the best player I've ever seen, but his full body of work will not say the greatest player of all time. It's and just you know what, Mo, not to cut you off. You just jogged my memory. Something I've been wanting to put out, and I just keep forgetting. I think that's where I am with LeBron, right? I think LeBron for me, his career is gonna be better probably in just about everybody's career. But mm-hmm. I don't think he's better than Jordan. I don't even think he's better than Larry Bird. People think I'm crazy for saying that, but outside of athleticism, what does he do better than Bird? As a basketball player, he doesn't shoot better. Bird is a passing savant just like him, so you could say that's a wash. He's a better re- Bird is a better rebounder without the vertical. And defense, because of LeBron's athleticism, yeah, he probably is better than Bird, but Bird had quick hands. He's a great help side defender. So I think it's kind of, you know, how you want to slice it. But I think because of his, it gets to the point where people are piling up accomplishments. You got to start and look at this like, hmm, yeah, the career is going to say this. But I think the player may not be the same. And to your point, I'll be trying to get people to understand, Mo, I played organized ball for almost 27 years of my life. You know how many championships I've won? One, if you were lucky. Zero. I'm not going to even count my conference tournament championship my junior year because we had to win that to go to the national tournament. I didn't win the D3 national tournament, so I'm not going to count that. Mm-hmm. I've never even played in a championship game. And I say all that to say this because people say, well, maybe you weren't good enough. No, it just shows you it takes some luck. It takes the right type of team. It takes all of that. It is so hard. That's why I took it so personal when I would have conversations online with people. Well, Giannis wouldn't have got there. If Brooklyn didn't, Kyrie didn't get hurt. It was like we like to say in the shy, if if was a fifth, we all be drunk. At the end of the day, as a competitor, right? As a competitor, nobody's trying to, yeah, you would love to beat the best, right? Who wouldn't? But nobody's going to make the championship and say, you know what? I don't want the championship because, you know, uh, Kyrie got hurt. No, I'm, I'm good. No, like you work hard. Chris Paul worked 16, 17 years of his career to get to that moment. You think if they would have won, he'd have been like, no, nah, I don't want it because LeBron and AD was hurt in the first round? Like, no, like nobody says that. Like, only fans say that, bro. So I just wanted to, you jog my memory with that because I think with certain players, because LeBron came in with the high school era, he's going to have more numbers sometimes because he played longer. I mean, so it's kind of hard to measure everything. But I think Giannis might be in that position where he might have the better career but is he necessarily better than Moses Malone, who I like to compare him to? Mm-hmm. Is you, it right? And that's see what I'm saying. That's where yeah. I do the the better as opposed to greater. Greatness yep. is all about accomplishments. That's yep. really what makes guys truly great. That's that would be the knock on Charles Barkley. Yep. That, that could end up being the knock on James Harden. You know yep. what his career is said and done because we have a list of players and we we even. You know, Dominique Wilkins, Dominique Wilkins. Look at his team in Atlanta. People don't realize that was not a great team like that. But he was such a great player. And if you look at the list of players that have never won a championship, that would be a competent starting five or one of the greatest (laughs) teams of all time put together to compete for a championship. If you talked about all the guys. But the thing is, when it comes to championships and legacy, the greatest players of all time have made you feel like it's easy. Because they've right. done it multiple times. But we're talking yes. about greatest players of all time. The Michael Jordans, the Kobe Bryants, Shaquille O'Neal. 
even you, you want to go smaller because we can talk about LeBron and, and Kareem and Magic, but you want to go a little bit smaller of some of the greatest players of all time. Dwayne Wade has three. Dwayne Wade has one pre-LeBron era. So people like, okay, well, he has multiple championships. It can't be that hard. But when you look at the eras, like those greatest players of all time dominated their eras in a sense. I know people, you know, LeBron's been 10 times. So it makes, oh, he makes it look easy. He's been eight times in a row. Right, right. finals, he's four and six. And it's a knock. And I understand we could do the six and oh, and and we could, that's a whole argument. I've gotten so tired of that argument. It doesn't even matter anymore. (laughs) Like yep. to me, I don't care. if you think LeBron's a goat, cool. If you don't, cool. Like, right, you know, right. I'm the same way now. Yep. Preference. Yep. But just to look like people think because LeBron's been there 10 times that it's easy. But like, how many guys have been there 10 times in their career? People think because Jordan's six and oh, oh, it was easy. Well, how many people are six and oh in the NBA finals? So that's when we talk about legacy. I think when you talk about Greatness is all about your accolades. Where do you rank on points all time? Really, when we even talk about it, we don't necessarily give a lot of guys credit defensively. When we talk about where do you rank all time, we look at your points, rebounds, and assists. And where do you rank there all time? Are you top 10 in points all time? Are you a top 10, you know, with him being, with Giannis being a power forward, is he top 10 in rebounds all time? Oh, he was a little bit of a distributor. Is he top 30 an assist all time for, you know, being a power forward, or is he a top five power forward on the assist list of all time? So that's where you start kind of really getting into guys legacy and greatness. And like I said, just because there's some guys on the list and probably not in the top 10, but even in the top like 20, there's a guy who's like 18th on the all time list that really may not be better than a player who is behind him, but his resume is greater, which builds him a greater argument. I even think that comes to argument when you talk about D-Wade and Allen Iverson. Nope. I'm a D-Wade guy. As much as I love AI, I loved AI. I was a little kid, went, you know, had the cornrows, the headband, the shooting nope. sleeve. But D-Wade <laughs> my favorite player of all time. But I think D-Wade will get him in that argument because his resume is greater. With, 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 with the AI, is like, well, he single-handedly carried the team to the finals. He surely did. I'm not going to but D-Wade has three championships this and that. So that's one of those arguments where maybe D-Wade wasn't a better player than Allen Iverson, but he had a greater career when it was all said and done. So I think it's a mindset. If you go in and understand who's better and who's greater, if you understand the difference between being better and greater, then I think you'll have more of a clear eye on even trying to shape up Giannis's legacy. And then the last thing, too, to this point is I think a lot of it, what I've noticed, too, is how the media may frame certain people and whether we like certain people a lot. So, for example, Isaiah Thomas, to me, you know, after I did the the interview with Rashad Fields, when he interviewed Isaiah and I learned some things, I moved Isaiah over Magic because as the greatest point guard ever, people think I'm crazy, but it's like he was the smallest guy that era. He won two championships in that era. Technically, he has a, a winning record against Bird and Magic, right? And then... uh he was the only one in that era that didn't win a championship with another top 50 player of that era. Like when they did that list on his team, he's the only other one, but we drop him way down because of, you know, different things, whether he was a general manager or things off the court that they were involved in different scandals and all this, but, or we just don't like him because Michael Jordan didn't like him. You know, all this kind of other stuff that have nothing to do with playing basketball. But when you look at his career, He's arguably one of the greatest players ever. And I got him as the best point guard. And another one, John Stockton. He's not flashy. 
you know, it's not a lot of pizzazz to it. He had the smaller shorts, and it was him and Carl Malone. But he's the all-time leader in assists and steals, and it's not even close. Like, it's not even close. Like, nobody's catching that. <laughs> and then the last thing, I looked it up just because I haven't done it in a while. People are like, well, you talking about Moses Malone? Yeah, three MVPs. And if you combine his ABA and NBA stats, which the ABA was a real league. I know y'all don't think that. But actually, a lot of the main talent was in the ABA, and it wasn't until the merger that the NBA got a lot of that talent back, like a George Gervin or Rick Barry, for example. Moses is 29,000 points and almost 18,000 rebounds for his career with three league MVPs, a finals MVP where he dominated Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and the Lakers, and they swept him. So you got to do your history and apply context when you're looking at this, man. There's some guys, whether you believe the era is comparable or not, who had unbelievable careers. So you got to ba- always say basketball reference is right here on my computer, so it's got to be on yours. And right. you can go to YouTube and watch. Like mm-hmm. I sent the guy the other day to go watch Will Chamberlain on YouTube because he heard all he did was dunk the ball. I said, no, somebody put a whole montage of him shooting fadeaway jump shots off the backboard. He could score in many different ways. It was just a different era, so it looks a little different. So, right. you know, to your point, Mo, I love what you just said about you know, understanding what is greater versus better, man. I think if people can get out of their own way and put that in their own lens, you can have your favorite players, but that doesn't mean you can't appreciate those that came before your favorite player, especially if you're younger. I'll be 40 this year, so we got a little, you know, I actually grew up right. watching Jordan. I couldn't, I didn't get to see 80s Jordan like that. I'll be lying, but I remember them, like really remember them winning their first championship because I'm in fifth grade in 91, so I remember them winning. Uh, they their championships. So yeah, I, I think that was well said. Everything you said on that, right? And I I give my knowledge of of the hi- historic part of the game and guys that I never seen. I grew up watching the NBA hardwood classics on NBA TV. Mm. A lot of people didn't have that. I was so into basketball, and I still am to this day. But growing up, I was so into basketball, and it was you know all thanks to my dad. He knows the Moses Malone's. He's seen those guys play. So it's one of those, like, because of him and his love for the game was why I developed it and I had the interest. So to say, I never watched any of those guys live, but I've seen the games that everybody watched live. I've seen years later. I saw Magic Johnson in the, in the NBA Finals. I've seen the Bad Boys Pistons play from beginning to end, from when the clock started to when the clock hit zero, watching the NBA Hardwood Classics. I used to watch it all day, every day. My summers were spent either outside playing or I was watching NBA Hardwood Classics and I close out let, the night. Let NBA. me ask you a question. How old are you, Mo? I, I always want to... 20 what? 26. Why is it your age group have all this information in YouTube at your disposal? But, but and I, I know this is a loaded question, but don't watch or appreciate the past when I had none of this. I had maybe some VHS tapes that you can get a hold of. I had my dad's stories, you know, listening to other people. Mm-hmm. But we appreciate them so much more. You guys can, like, go back and, like, as you grow up and watch. Why do you think that? I always want to ask somebody your age that, like, why do you think that is? I don't. So, to me, I don't think everybody's invested into history, period. Like, whether we talk about sports history, we talk about, you know, the history of the world or whatever. I don't think everybody... You have to find the subject you really love and care about. And then you start investing in the history. Well, it's here today because of what? And I don't think everybody has a love. I think they're part-time 
love of whatever it is, whether it's football, basketball, when we talk about sports, mm. baseball is like, I love it because I remember the first game when I was five years old, but never had that. Like curiosity is not as big now as it was back then. When okay. I was a curiosity, well, they say curiosity killed the cat. Like, yeah, you want it to know. And I don't think like to me, I've, I, I've invested, I could say hours and probably you build up all the hours. It creates a couple of years of just wanting to watch Great players play basketball. And that's why I used to love watching the NBA hardwood classics. That's why I know so much. And it's like, well, we're not going to take your opinion too, too much. You're 26. You don't know nothing about that era. And it's like, well, the same games that you're speaking on, I've saw before. Right. See it live. I didn't get that full love of atmosphere and true context of that time and what it was in the world and what that championship meant for X player or whatever. But like, I've saw that game be played before. But everybody doesn't do that. Everybody doesn't have that love for basketball my age. And I say they love playing the game. I know plenty of players. I know plenty of great players I grew up with that can play some of the best players I've ever seen play ball, but don't love basketball outside of when they're on the court. And, and you get that. And I think with our era, you do get that because everybody's invested in playing the video game. Everybody's invested in being social media famous, not doing yeah. research. And yep. so you start to see like this era isn't even my era probably isn't even as educated as your era because we haven't had to go through what you went through. We weren't told certain things. So it's like, well, you didn't have to prove everybody wrong. Now it's, it's partly a handout. I look at it being older, being 26. Like I look at the guys in high school now and I'm like, I see where y'all come from. Cause I'm like, wow, you got it made. Y'all go to camps all the time. People are paying for it. You got local camps everywhere. I'm, we never had trainers, that. trainers, and all this kind of stuff. It just we it never didn't. Had that. You yeah. had the yours out the mud. You had the. It was AAU tournaments and high school basketball. That's where you got known. I think the era of camps. Camp started like my junior or senior year when they really started getting big, and I'd went to a couple. But it's one of those like that was when the the camp game really started kicking off. Even I went to the uh you know the Texas quarterback U is what they called it. But I went there as a quarterback, and that's where some of the a lot of quarterbacks from around the country came into Texas. But like we didn't have that when I was a freshman. That was something that just started my junior year. Where now like because of the progression of all those camps and stuff, these kids can build. Look at Jason Preston for example. This kid, you look at his high school numbers. He wasn't a college, he wasn't D1, but he built based off of the little bit of highlights he had, Yo. he built a highlight tape to get the attention of Ohio University. And now look at him. He's Yo. about to go to the NBA because he wanted it so bad. He, he wasn't put in the right situation, but he wanted it so bad. Social media got him that contract and he or got him that, you know, scholarship. And now he built off of that because of the love of his game. And he didn't want to end his career at 17 years old in high school and just be that local pick up basketball star. He built off of that, but social media gives you certain avenues that. So to your are. point is whether it's a, a, it could be a positive or a negative. It's just way more options and stuff out here. And that was, yeah. I didn't, I, I always thought that, but I always want to ask, cause I don't want to put my thoughts on other people, but it's some as people think is like me being in high school, we didn't have the internet until my senior year. So like to write a paper, I still know what the Dewey decimal system is. Like you have to go look up a book. And I remember growing up with encyclopedias and, you know, sports illustrators, like you had to go actually go seek out the information to find it because I couldn't just pick up my phone and just mm -hmm. type stuff in. Like, and I really believe, and then we can, you know, you know, move on because we kind of, I didn't want to drag this out, but it's just always a great conversation. Uh, 
I really believe that when you read something or have to go find it and read it, you have a deeper appreciated appreciation for it, and then you can retain it better. You know, right. and I think we even see that nowadays in music. No knock on this generation's music, but if you're expecting certain guys to be like the guys I grew up listening to, like Nas and Rock Kim, it's just not going to be possible because nobody reads like that anymore. Everything is text messages and emojis. And if you're not reading and really expanding your vocabulary, well, how are you going to pin a 16 with crazy wordplay in it? You know, it's just a different yeah. dynamic. So it's not knocking them. I just understand the lens and the era that we're in, but I always offer this caveat to those coming behind you. You can't know where you're going if you don't know where you've been. And that, that's the same thing with basketball. I'm not saying you have to agree with all my opinions, but at least ex- uh, respect the groundwork that people got to. Because we, we've, we've come from low-cut Chuck Taylors and belts on shorts to flying private jets with sub-zero freezing contained uh, t- tubs and padded shorts underneath. So if you fall, yeah. like I remember playing with no pads, like on basketball like taking falls and, you know, all this kind of stuff. We've just seen Kevin Durant come back from an Achilles injury and, that and went- play at an NBA, all NBA MVP type level. So, you know, just appreciate those who lay, you know, the, the, the groundwork for you. And that's, I think, what we need to do with Giannis's legacy. And Giannis is one of those guys, you know, you could tell he really appreciates those who came for him. He respects it, the greats. That's why he was so close to Kobe Bryant, for example. So I think with his legacy and anybody else younger going forward, you know, let's kind of just wait and let them, let's let it develop. We don't have to rush it or force it because if they're great, it'll bear itself out. Yeah. And like you said, you know, I think guys legacies age. Well, when you think about when the minute Giannis announces his retirement, you're going to have that recent, Oh, I didn't love him. Like, but like 20 years from now, you know, it's like, okay, he's going to be more appreciated. I think Russell Westbrook falls in to a category. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yep. Like years from now, his legacy is going to be amazing. People are going to be like, oh, my God. Like, he had four of the past five seasons at a point in his career, yet he averaged a triple-double. So I do think legacies age well for all players. Even look at Jordan was able to drop a documentary and had the whole world all in. And yep. it was he hasn't played in what? Let, like seven, it would it been what about 16, 17 years since he oh, last more than that. More, about, more, almost, 17, 18. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I always like for me, I always block out the wizards because I was like, what was that? But no, yeah. you're right. <laughs> you're like, right. Yeah. 2002, 2003, And then he still had the whole world. Guys like me, who the most recent thing I would remember is Jordan on the Wizards, tuned in to see something about based on his legacy and his career. So before yeah. we move in. You know, I want we'll talk about the offseason rumors a little bit, but I yes. do want to talk about really something that I know you wanted to get to. And it's Team USA. And you know, we we've they've had a rough exhibition matchups. They had a rough game against France. And so can USA win the goal, win the gold? What I've seen from Team USA, this isn't a badly put together team where you just talk about talent. But playing international basketball is a lot different. First off, FIBA plays under different rules than we do. The the soft I, and I don't I don't think players of today are necessarily soft, but I think the rules have allowed them to become accustomed to playing a softer game. 
But yep. I don't think these guys are necessarily soft. There's some yep. real dogs that I think they that you call that guy soft to his face. They'll step out in the street with you and get with <laughs> you. So I don't yep. like what they call the new era of players soft because there really is some dogs. But the rules have allowed them to be accustomed to softer rules. And so I see they're missing a big man. That's very key in feeble yep. rules, the way the game is played. Feeble yep. rules kind of have an older 90s and – early 2000s and before type of gameplay to it. Those kind of players, the Ben Wallace's and, and obviously we can talk about the greatest of Kobe's and, but those guys become successful in these rules because their game fits it where you have a, like a guys like Kevin Durant and all these guys, they're all finesse and they're all based off of talent. And then part of it, the rest of the world, I'm not going to say it's catching up to pass USA, but the gap, between international talent and, and American born talent isn't as far as everybody sees. I mean, no, look, let's, look at, let's get, no, let's, let's not sure. Let's get right into it. The world caught up. I would say the world caught up almost four, four to eight years ago. The world has caught up. This is not 92. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to just put guys together. Chemistry matters. Some mm-hmm. of these teams, like a France team, those guys have been playing together for, for years now. It's the same team, basically. I mean, Dial kind of phased out, Parker phased out, but then they bring in other guys that were kind of at the back end of that bench, and now they're playing. So, no, the talent has caught up. I agree with you 100%. I believe society just doesn't like tough people anymore in general. That's just my opinion. You can say what you want, but I don't think – I think we have improved as a society where it was needed, but I think it's a little too extreme now. People don't know how to go through anything. They don't know how to be tough. The NBA – wants to give you a technical for every single thing. So to be honest with you, I don't know if some of these guys are tough or not, because to your point, they don't allow them to be. Now, with that being said, when you watch today's game, you're not going to get some of those foul calls that you're used to getting in the NBA. That's number one. Number two, they don't have a facilitator out there, whether it was Jason Kidd, Chris Paul, whether it was even LeBron James at times. We've seen James Harden play that role with the USA. We even seen Derrick Rose, Westbrook Mm -hmm. play that role a little bit. They don't have that. Then to your point, they don't have a big man. France started the game, not started the game, but they kept putting Gobert and another big out there. So at times they were playing two big guys, which was effective, clogging up the paint because, again, there's no defense for three seconds. The court is shorter. And you can't come down like how you might see in an NBA game, right, where you have those stretches where there's no passes being made. It's kind of like whoever has the ball, I'm going to get my shot. I'm trying to find my rhythm. Kevin Durant come down, just pulls up nobody. But then you're coming back the other way, and now the team you're playing against, they're running the set. It might be two or three passes, so you have to move your feet. And they're just as skilled as you are and can make shots. And the next thing you know, it's like you do that a couple times. You haven't scored, but they keep scoring. So now either the game is a close game or you find yourself down like today. And then Evan Fournier, who – I'm not going to say he's an all-star player, but, I mean, he's a starter in the NBA. Like, we right. – we, Orlando Evan Fournier with the ball in his hand, who, him and Vucevic was a heck of a pick and roll. Like, he can play, and then I've seen him in person. He's about 6'6". Like, he's not short. So, again, DeColo came over with the Spurs and didn't work out. He's been killing in Seska Moscow the last few years in the EuroLeague, just for those who don't know. So – this Rudy Gobert, all NBA defensive mm-hmm. player of the year, right? So this is not – Spain is going to give them problems. Argentina is going to be solid. 
Luca is going to be Luca with Dragic. So no, the world has caught up. And like I said, two things: the world went around, basketball went around the world in '92. Hip hop went around the world as well. Hip hop culture, black culture in particular, because we drive hip hop, mm-hmm. kind of gave people a different bounce, a different swagger, the way they move. Who's yeah. Luka Doncic's favorite player? LeBron James. That mm-hmm. wouldn't have been the case to a European necessarily coming out of Europe, you know, 10 right. years ago prior to Luka. So, no, I think it's a combination of all of that. Trey Young could have been available. The Aaron Fox could have been available. You didn't see, you did not send a guard that can score, but also play make. And that's why, again, ultimately, as much as I like Damian Lillard and some of those other guys, we see why Portland struggles at times. I was talking to one of my guys about this. I remember they played their Lakers earlier this year. And I forget, I don't think the Lakers had their full team. But the point was, CJ and Dame might have had 20 20 assists combined that game. And they won handily. This was before they traded Gary Trent Jr. Why? Because they were passing the ball and then still getting theirs. Point guard, point guard, point guard is the most important uh, position. Or I'll say because of Luka and LeBron point forward because they had the ball. Because you cannot just be scoring all the time. That's why Dallas ultimately lost at the end. Because Luka cannot keep scoring. Guys have to be in the rhythm. Rhythm matters for everybody else outside the great players. And when I saw from USA, again, the talent has caught up. The style of play, the way they're playing, and the fact they have no chemistry and no facilitator to keep everybody involved. So can they win gold? Yes, they have the talent to win gold. But I'm not 100% sure. I'm not going to jump completely out the window and say they're not going to win it at all. I wouldn't be surprised if they lose it, though, I'll tell you that. Because, again, it just it, they, they have way too many checks in the negative box as far as I'm concerned. And these things matter. Now you see why, like, again, like a Damian Lillard in Portland, as great as Dame is, they struggle at times because he does not facilitate. It is what it is. Yeah, and something you said, you said the key word, from everything you said, is chemistry. And so mm-hmm. to bring up the most recent, okay, they don't have that chemistry. Bam Adebayo and Kevin Durant get in a tiff over who, you know, that's my change or whatever. And as minute as that is, I, you know, I was talking to my dad about this. We talk about sports, football, and basketball all mm-hmm. day long. And mm-hmm. I was telling him, I said, I don't know where their little beef stems from, but it seemed like it was deeper than you didn't give me my change. And I look at it. I felt like that was a weird little, you know, tiff between Bam and Kevin Durant. Cause when did they at any point, when did they ever come into, you know, contact where like, Oh, right. Ethan with Bam out of bio, the heat and nets when they play, they absolutely hate each other. So I thought it was odd. I could see if like it was Jimmy Butler and KD, I could just see them not liking each other. Jimmy guarding KD, you know, probably talk, trash talking them. So I can understand that, but to see like Bam and KD not getting along and to hear reports, mm-hmm. they really aren't getting along. I felt like that was a random beef in my eyes. And then the difference between these countries and USA is USA is competing against each other for an NBA championship every year. So we develop, we develop hatred. We develop rivalries. We develop players not getting along. I mean, look at it with players who played on their own team. Kevin Durant and Draymond Green as they as cool as they claim they are now, they 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 got heated playing yeah. on the State Warriors. Yeah. That played a factor. KD has come out and said it. That played a factor in why Kevin Durant left yep. Golden State. Yep. 
So yep. we have these rivalries and stuff, and then we expect to put all these guys on one plane, put all these guys in one gym, and understand that it's not about what jersey you wear for the NBA. It's about the country that you're representing and putting USA. But guys can't just let go of that. And, and part of what you said as far as they don't want us to be tough is true. Being tough now is politically incorrect. Now yep. you're wrong. Now the cancel culture has yep. come in effect of being tough living this like okay this is my feelings and and your feelings aren't respected anymore now it's like everybody's so sensitive you have to tiptoe around what you say no yep. matter what community what culture it is towards you have to tiptoe around everything and it's been a positive a little bit but it's also been just as much negative when you talk about just the toughness of your everyday american individual trying to do what they got to do so that's why i look at like chemistry these guys ain't getting along. They have these rivalries and you put them in one gym. I mean, let's put in Devin Booker had to jump on a private jet with Drew Holiday. <laughs> Not that Couldn't they have had, been me. Couldn't have been me. <laughs> they had a beef, but it was the fact that he had to jump on a private jet that just beat me in, an, in, in a NBA championship. Yep. And now like I'm supposed to get on this jet and fly to Tokyo with these guys and be friendly. And I know people, you know, I know the – the friendly era is here and these teammates, you know, these guys who play on opposite teams are very cool off the court, but even still like a Devin Booker doesn't seem like he's friends with everybody, you know, off. No, that, he, he, he's, de he's definitely a throwback. I don't get that yeah. energy from him at all. So I know that was an awkward flight. I don't see him talking to them. Giannis the same I, way. Giannis, Giannis is yes. the same way. And you yep. know, all his interviews he's thrown out there, like, and maybe it's throwing shade or whatever you consider it, but I love it because he's enjoying winning the championship and he's building up what he did to win the championship. I love his mentality. Not that I don't think guys can be friends off the court, but the AAU right. and everything like that has kind of made, you know, um, how we look at guys' relationships off the court. These guys grow up together. I mean, you look, oh. there's a picture and it was what? Um, Miles Bridges, De'Aaron Fox, Trey Young, uh, uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name from Orlando. All of them were on the same AAU team, though. Jonathan yeah. Isaac. <laughs> and, and even more, all those guys were on the same AAU team and all went to the NBA. So you talk about developing, we're seeing players now who have relationships and travel together at 13, 14, 15 years old, and then they get to the NBA and there's supposed to be some animosity and hatred. You're not going to get that because at your prime of your life of just being able to enjoy life with no responsibilities Y'all got the closest, and now that you're an adult and you're competing for a championship, now we expect these guys to simply, like, nope, he plays for the Orlando Magic. You play for the Atlanta Hawks. You are not friends on the court. But I also look at this younger generation, and I I grew up with a lot of homeboys, and we, we, we eventually parted ways, whether it was going to middle school, whether it was going to high school, even seeing each other in the AAU tournament. And our mm -hmm. goal, bro, you're on the opposite team. You're my homeboy, and I'll go out to eat with you. We'll go to McDonald's after this game. But on this court, I'm going to kill you. And they have the same mentality. You're not necessarily seeing that nowadays. And, like, I feel like I come from being 26. I feel like part of my era is, like, especially when I look at what it was like in middle school and high school, I feel like it was, like, the last of a dying breed. And I know guys your age will be like, well, it was nothing like that. Right. But I do think it was last of a dying breed. And you bring up hip-hop culture. My goats of my era was the Lil Wayne's. I grew up on Kanye West. I grew up on even Eminem, mm -hmm. even though 
started pre my era, but however you want to look at it in the prime of his, he's probably my era also, but the era prior, I grew up on those guys. And now I'm listening to the, the new generation, the little everything from little named after a drug, little named after a car. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and so right. I'm still at an age where that could get like, okay, you're 26. It's kind of your era, but it's really not, you know, but right. Right. that last of the dying breed where I fall, you know, like J. Cole said, you fall as the middle child. You're attached to the era prior to you because of your age, but you're also linked with the new era and new type of people because of your age. So they see you as you could be either or, and they're going to give you the latter. Yeah, you're probably closer to this new generation of people. Right, right. I see the USA, and it's like, this talent-wise, the team could be a lot better. I mean, if you would have put the best players in the league, the 15 best players in the league, this team would be a lot that aren't international guys like Giannis, Jokic, or whatever. But if you would have put LeBron and Steph, if we were able to get those guys, and even Carmelo Anthony, I understand he's at the end of his career, but what he's done in a Team USA jersey can't be, you know, three, can't three proud. gold medals. Yep. Three gold yep. medals, and, and statistically, he's one of the greatest USA players we've ever seen. Doesn't mean he's he's not the greatest player to ever put on a Team USA jersey, but while wearing that Team USA jersey, Carmelo's one of the greatest players to ever wear a Team USA jersey when we talk about what he's done in the international and the national level while wearing USA. So I just look at, we didn't put together our best team, and you even said it, missing young guys. We don't have De'Aaron Fox. We don't have Trey Young. You know, we didn't ask Ja Morant. We didn't, we didn't send Zion. Oh I mean... I, I would love because I don't want to ever speak in definites as I continue to build and get to know more people and get more connected on the inside. But I would love to really know how much pull Popovich has and Colangelo, like like who's really pulling the strings, who was really contacted. Because let Trey Young, I'm only going to go off assuming what he said. Like, I don't think he was contacted. At least that's what he led you to believe. I'm not saying he's lying. I just don't know. But I would love to know like kind of what goes into this team before I really make strong definitive statements of opinions. Cause I really need to know that. Cause it, that matters because, but again, I still think they have enough, but we saw it last year. They sent Kimball Walker and Donovan Mitchell. Great. You know, really good players, but not facilitators and they lost, they struggled again, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's 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 gonna be interesting, Mo. I'm I'm definitely gonna be tuning in to see how this how this plays out. Yeah, I just hate that it's in Tokyo because of the time difference. So we may have to <laughs> wake up early or stay up late to be able to see see Team USA play. But it, for those of y'all listening on Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net channel, we're coming up close to our time of ending. So real quick before we go, I do want to talk about the offseason rumors. So you could go and check out Up in Flames. A podcast to hear what we talk about for the offseason rumors. But while I'm at it, make sure you go and subscribe. Don't just listen. Subscribe to the Off the Glass podcast and make sure you listen because he does live shows. He does a lot of things, but he drops gems. He gives you real insight on basketball. There's no bias. Like I said, his slogan is fan of no team, but a lover of basketball. He's not a player guy. He loves a lot of players, but at the same time, my guy Zach gives you just True insight. He has his bias cap off at all times, and he just gives you a dive in in basketball. So make sure you go check out the Off the Glass podcast. I appreciate everybody for listening, but make sure you tune in to hear what we have to say about the offseason rumors. But with that said, 
Zach, just real quick, I know you don't have much more time, but I do just want to talk about a couple players in the offseason mm-hmm. rumors. My biggest one is Ben Simmons. I do want to talk about Ben Simmons real quick. We we were told at the end of the season, we seen some doubt, even though it was said that Ben Simmons probably won't get traded coming mm-hmm. from Philly. They said everything they were supposed to say. But then you heard in our interview, Doc Rivers kind of, I don't know if he could be a point guard on a championship team. Now we see a lot of players or a lot of teams interested in Ben Simmons. And I think he could use a change of scenery. Where do you think Ben Simmons best fit would be? I've been thinking about this. I I really do not know because number one, his, his deal, he has the big deal. Now, what are you giving up in value to get back to match the contract? Because right. he was that that's last series was so bad for him. You got you're asking another GM, another team to ignore that and say, okay, that was just a, a moment. Maybe he needs to change the scenery. But I just think he was never a point guard to begin with. So I don't know whose idea was mm-hmm. that to begin with. I would have had him as a point forward, somebody that can just make decisions and play, but have him play alongside a, a like a point guard because basically all they did this year was flip-flop him and Embiid. They put him in the dunker spot more, let him run more ball screen, so he really wasn't even a point guard to begin with. So for Doc Rivers to kind of say that, I thought that was really, really interesting and not fair to Ben. But mm-hmm. two years ago, I wanted the Warriors to trade for him. I just thought it made sense at the time. Before he signed the deal, Draymond still have value. It's the same type of team. You give him a bunch of shooters, spread the court, let him use his athleticism, let him use his vision, and it made sense. But now, Mo, not even taking the easy way out. I just really don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know how this works because yeah. he played so bad, and I mean, he wouldn't even shoot. It was so mental. It was an example. It was so mental. He wouldn't even shoot. He didn't want to attack the basket anymore because he was scared of getting fouled because he couldn't make free throws. But I always was in the middle with Ben. I didn't think he was as great as a lot of people had him, but I didn't think he was as bad as everybody had him either. I was just kind of in the middle. And he's a unique talent. And it might be weird saying this, and it's like an obvious statement, but I don't know how we view him if he's like my height instead of 6'8", like I'm 6'3". Right. Like when you really look at him, it's like he he's really tall and he could do some things, but... It's it's frustrating to watch because I just think people around him enabled him in a such a way that it didn't benefit him. And now it's kind of one of those situations where now he really hit rock bottom and he got to climb his way out and rework himself. And I mean, I never give up on young people. He's still young. He's still talented. But man, that that last series was 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 eye opening on a lot of fronts for a lot of people. And I bet his camp wants him out of there because of what doc said in the press conference. I just don't think, I don't think that's fair because as much as doc said that, I felt like Nate McMillan outcoached them as well. Like it was so. It was deeper. It was deeper. I think think Ben was made the scapegoat and I didn't think it was fair. So in a roundabout way to answer your question, I really don't know on this one. Mo. I really don't because it's, it's so many factors at play and I'm not somebody that just going to just throw out teams just to throw out teams. Like I like to really think about it and see a fit. And I really don't know who's going to give up their young pieces to number one, match his contract and say, we're going to move off this other guy and we're going to take Ben Simmons. Yeah. So to, to your point, 
I definitely agree. And I look at, instead of seeing where Ben Simmons fits now, I look at pre prior to the start of last, uh, this past season, Houston dropped the ball on bringing Ben Simmons in Houston. And I think Philly dropped the ball on bringing James, James Harden. Yep. I think, you know, I look at two teams dropped the ball on getting James Harden. I think it was the Miami Heat and the Philadelphia 76ers. And I think, I know James Harden ended up getting hurt, but in a different situation, we don't know if that same injury occurs. Maybe it does. But just even at that time, you're like, oh my God, like Philly with James Harden and Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, Seth Curry, like what they could have did, they might have had to give Ben Simmons and maybe Tyrese Maxey in a first round pick. But you're like, man, Philly could have been real competitive, especially because you take away Brooklyn, who doesn't have a James Harden. Now they match nope. up. Then you talk about Milwaukee and how does James Harden and, and Embiid that that changes the whole aspect on really the whole Eastern Conference That's if James fact. Harden goes yep. to Philly. And I think Joel Embiid, I mean, not Joel Embiid, I think Ben Simmons is a guy you can build a team around. I feel right. like you said it's mental with him. He's so afraid of the free throw line and he's so afraid to shoot that it stops him being aggressive. But if we just shut out his pass and say, if we could just forget him improving his game right now, if we could just get the best version of Ben Simmons, the most aggressive, not fearing the free throw line, maybe he'll take a three or two a game just to keep the defense honest. He's Giannis. As far as building a team around him, yep. Giannis yep. top player. You yep. would build the team around Ben Simmons the same way you built the team around Giannis. And we saw Milwaukee be most successful and ultimately win the championship for the simple fact that they built it right and they put Giannis in the best situation to win. So I felt like Houston would have had something going there. They would have got a Philly pick. Now, honest, obviously, they wouldn't have the number two pick coming into this draft. I think with Ben Simmons, they wouldn't have been one of the worst teams. But they still would have had some odds. They still probably would have been a lottery team having to figure out you know, what they're going to do. They ended up obviously getting John Wall and stuff like that. He got hurt again, but you, you still have a foundation. And I still think to this day, I think Ben Simmons could be built around. So I look at Sacramento and I look at if I'm Philly, I could get De'Aaron Fox and I look at Sacramento kind of starting a foundation and figuring out the best way to build a team around Ben Simmons. I still look at a Houston. They don't have, to me, they don't have the, the, the acquisitions to give up to get Ben Simmons now because they kind of let their best piece go in James Harden. But I look mm -hmm. at some who are looking to rebuild. I even look at OKC. They have a, a, a boatload of draft picks, but I know that Philly's going to want Shy Gilgis Alexander if they're going to trade Ben Simmons because they're not looking to take a step back. They're looking to take a step forward. forward yep. Look at him being at OKC. Maybe not for Shy. I wouldn't do it if I'm OKC because I do have a piece I could build around in Gilgis Alexander. But if I can offer a boatload of draft picks, I think Ben Simmons can be built around. And I think we just need to figure out. He needs to figure out within himself. He needs to do some soul searching to get the best version of him. Because we saw that game and he's not a player. He's an all-star caliber player. So he's not a player who has one great game and it's like a fluke. We'll never see that again. When Joel Embiid did not play against the Utah Jazz, Ben Simmons had a 40-point triple-double. Yep, I watched that game. Being aggressive. Yep. That's all it was, was him just being aggressive. So to say that we don't see talent, we don't see the the ceiling, we don't see potential in Ben Simmons, I think will be false. But it's will we ever get that potential on a consistent basis? It. It, nope. Me, that's the problem with Ben Simmons. So before I let you go, I know you got to go. I just want to talk about Dame Lillard. He hasn't officially on his end asked out for a trade. 
He hasn't yeah. flat out come out of his mouth. He's beat around the bush that I'm not going to do it. Da da da. But there's a possibility that he leaves. So maybe, you know, somebody offers the right trade offer. We've heard that apparently if he did want out Miami, Philly, Golden State, the Lakers, and I can't remember the fifth team, but there were five teams that would catch his eye as far as like, these are my preferred destinations. So if Dame, first off, Dame has preached loyalty. Dame has said, you know, I'm loyal. He, he's kind of went the Giannis route on trying to win the championship for Portland. And I fully believe he believes that. But I do think he's not 26. Giannis is 26. It could have continued on with that mind, you know, with that mindset until Dame is reaching the end of his prime. I think your prime years for me in the NBA, from what I've seen, 27 to 32 is your true prime. Those are typically when guys start winning championships. Those are typically the best years. Statistically, when guys getting in after 32, for most players, we start seeing them fade out, whether it's slowly, whether it's very fast. But even you look at LeBron, yes, it's been a slow fade, and we still might consider him in his prime. I don't think so now. I think this season brought a lot to light about LeBron and even Kobe. Kobe didn't really get out of his prime until about year 16. Then his last four years, he started dealing with injury. So, Dame, I think he should cheat the grind one time. I'm not saying go team up with LeBron and AD and go to the Lakers. I'm not saying he has to build a super team, but I think he should cheat the grind and build a true list of, I think he should take the Lakers off his list and I think he should take the Warriors off his list. And I think if he says, I want to go to Miami, I want to go to Philadelphia or even Boston, I think those would be ways of cheating the grind and leaving Portland, not doing it from your day one team, but going to have a chance of winning a championship I think he would be praised if he went to either of those three teams because you would have a big three in Dame, Jimmy, and Bam in Miami. You would have a dynamic duo of Dame and Jason Tatum in Boston. And I think your big three, I think it'd be a big two and a half. I think Tobias is like right under that all-star caliber. I mean, you know, yeah. on a bad team, he'd be an all-star type player. But I think you have a dynamic duo of Dame and Joel Embiid. So I do think there's ways of him being able to ask out and still stick to his mantra of not joining a super team. I just think he would need to take the Lakers off that list, and I also think he would need to take teaming up with Steph and Clay and go to state. Think off he, I think he's using that as a smoke screen, just like Kawhi used the Lakers as a smoke screen. I just don't see those like they're the two. They're similar in personality from the standpoint of very being very principled, being very loyal, knowing what they want to do for their brand. And I just don't see him going to LA or the Warriors. Miami, to me, makes the most sense uh, because I love Eric Spolster and that coaching staff and what they do down there. I just think it makes the most sense. And they got the nice amount of young package that you can send back to Portland that Portland would be interested in. Or Philly makes the most sense as well because you can get a player like Ben Simmons, maybe uh, one of their rookies and, and some picks. if they ha- I don't know how many they have left. I don't think they have a lot left. But right. I think that makes more sense because I don't see – even if you trade CJ, what are you getting back in value at this stage of his career with that contract, right? So I don't even know if that's going to really move the needle enough to make you a championship contender. So if you dame, it's like either you're going to stay in the bed that you made there in Portland and then they trade CJ and see what y'all can get to kind of change the dynamic and run it back, or you go ahead and go to Philly or you go to Miami. I much rather see him in Miami. I think that'd be a perfect fit for him. I think they'll run some good stuff. You can, uh, run stuff through Bam out of Bayou. Hopefully he'll be aggressive this season consistently. 
mm-hmm. give them that scoring punch that I believe he's capable of. But Miami makes the most sense to me for Dane. But I'm like 70, 30 that he leaves. Right. I just think he's such a strong willed principal person. I'd be very su- I'll be surprised if he leaves, just being honest with you. That's my opinion. And I think seeing Giannis win the championship, you know, being homegrown from that market. I think Dane now wants that. I mean, that's basically what he said. He's seeking is that same type of championship. He wants to bring a championship to Portland. I fully believe it for him being there this long in an era where guys have asked out when they're unhappy with their situation. Mm-hmm. I do think, I think Dane needs to realize it's okay to cheat the grind and there's a way to go about it where it doesn't make it like that was a weak move. You don't have to stay. We're out of the era where guys stay with organizations for 20 years. I'm telling you, Mo, I see. That's why if I ever get to meet him, I see so much, so much of myself in him because I'm one of those guys when everybody's going right, like I'm purposely going left. Like he, you could tell he's like, like you can, I can't even sleep at night knowing that I might've done something that everybody else is doing because I succumb to, to perceived pressures or different, however you want to, however you want to word it. I just, yeah. I just see a lot of that in him. That's what I mean. I don't even think Giannis has anything to do with it. I just think Dame as the man and who he is, I don't think that's a facade. Like, I think he's really like that. His whole story has been people not believing in him, going all the way back to his childhood. So to now say I'm going to go, it's like he had to change philosophies almost in a lot of yeah. ways, even though I agree with you, like, Going to Miami is not quite the same as going to team up with LeBron. I, I get what you're saying, but I just think how he is as a person, at least that's what I perceive him to be, that's going to be the hardest pill for him to swallow. Can Dame look at himself in the mirror and be happy with that decision going forward? I think that's what it's going to come down to, to be honest with you. Yeah, and I think, you know, before we close out, I think you look at Dame, like you said, it, he even tells us a lot about himself in his music. He mm-hmm. makes music. And so another Which reason I listen why I, to, I like Dame's music. I love yeah. I love Dame Dollar. I think, you know, I think he's a really good rapper. You know, I think he has he's owned to something throughout the rest of his career. But I look at him and I say, Dame, to me, Dame deserves a championship. He's yeah. a guy I want to see win a championship. And like I said, you know, I mean, if he came to Miami, I would love it. I'm an avid Miami <laughs> Heat fan. Yep, so if I yep. can see Dame time in South Beach. I definitely love that. And there's nobody expendable outside of probably Jimmy and Bam that I would be like, okay, whatever we got to give up to get Dame, I'm willing to do it. Team up those guys. And then you have the sales pitch of, okay, well, we got three key guys to win the championship. How do we build a team around them? Well, you are in the state of Florida where there's no state taxes. We could get some veterans to take the vet minimum and things like that. Guys take pay cuts. Players would probably be more willing to do it if you got a big three of Dame, Jimmy, and Bam. Now you're like, okay, Jimmy's not an injury-prone guy. Bam is an injury-prone. So now you're like, okay, we got a team. They got a team over there in Miami. They got a great coach in Spolstra who could really build a championship team. I'm willing to take that pick up for certain guys, the DeRoses, the Kyle Lowry's, all those guys who haven't really won that. Uh, Kyle Lowry got his championship. But like even DeMar DeRozan, I'm not saying he would go to Miami. And I mean, I think now you're talking about building a super team, but I'm still saying I think some of these guys will probably take some pay cuts. The JJ Reddicks, guys like yep. that, to finally get their championship attached to their name with Dame and South Beach. You have something to sell now. You got Pat Riley, Spolster sitting in the office saying, We just added Dame Lillard. We have Jimmy. We have Bam. We're a year removed away from being in the NBA finals. 
we're not that far off from being a competitive team and a championship caliber team. And with Dane, you being a surrounding piece could make that difference. So I do think Miami will have a great sales pitch after acquiring Dane to add players to the roster to really build a team where you look at Miami, you'd be like, man, they could be the number one and number two team coming out of the Easter conference uh, heading into next season. But with closing that out, Zach, I appreciate you for coming on. So, you know, I've plugged you in on multiple times and and let everybody know who you are, but I'm going to give you the floor. I always give my guys the floor to close out. Let everybody know where they can follow you in any future projects that you could reveal to us to let us know what to look forward to with your work. Uh, Usually I drop a podcast every Monday, so I'll be dropping one tomorrow. Uh, I didn't do a basketball one this week. I interviewed a guy that I've known. He has a clothing brand, so I'm expanding the the, the brand of the podcast. So I want to send people over to the Off the Glass podcast store. If you're watching this, I have on the snapback. This is one of the T-shirt designs I have. It's called The Art. So we got the TOTGP brand store. Uh, dot com or you can follow me at instagram zach the off the glass hit the link there twitter is zach at the off the glass everything is the off the glass podcast it streams everywhere but i mainly wanted to plug my my new clothing brand and uh my store i really kind of taken the fashion and being creative and i really think if you go there i find it hard to believe you won't walk away with at least one purchase because i have everything from basketball to inspirational messages even shirts and hoodies dealing with podcasts and different podcasts and slogans. So make sure to check it out. Thank you for having me on your platform again, Mo up in flames. Definitely appreciate it. Yeah, 100%. And just to hit on what you said, I bought a shirt, you know, I, I got to give someone their flowers today. Shirt goes with my Carmine sixes. That's what, when I bought <laughs> that shirt, that was exactly what I got it for. But yep. not only, it, you know, not only is it supporting, black businesses and supporting a guy that I support, but it's great quality. It's a very good quality shirt. And I know that's what people want to hear. And I'm not just saying that it really is a great quality shirt. So you're not paying for something that is done and over with and you wear it once. And it doesn't have that same type. I've been trying to tell people like the pictures don't like my hat. This is 3d lettering. Like the pictures don't do it justice. The quality, the fit, even the silk screening. Uh, it's like it's it's second to none. So shout out to I use Teespring. Shout out to Teespring to do all the printing, which really stepped that game up because I've been using them since the beginning. And mm-hmm. the products, the again, I could even accidentally dry a shirt and it doesn't lose lose anything. So yeah, I'm glad you said that, Mo, because I've been trying to tell people like I don't just like my podcast. I want my clothing to be the same thing. I want to put out nice quality i don't want nothing cheap or nothing that doesn't last i want something that's gonna stand you know to test the time yeah and so like i said you know it's it's people like quality and i love the shirt you know what i'm saying i've worn it like i said i bought that individual shirt because i was like boom i got this pair of shoes i'm a rocket with i'm looking at getting the art shirt so i'm probably gonna be having that here in the near future once you <laughs> When you debuted that the other day, I was like, oh, I got to have it. I even text Chris. We was texting back and forth, and I was like, man, I really got to have that shirt. So, you know, it's one of those. Everybody go make sure you check out his merch because not only does it show support for what he's doing with his, you know, with his clothing brand, but it it shows that you support his work as a podcaster, as a guy who does great work, diving deep into the game of basketball. And like you said, you've reached 
other aspects of it. The off the glass is more than a basketball podcast. You know, I've, I've seen you tap in on the mental health aspect. I've seen you talk to reporters. I mean, you do great work over there, but everybody, I appreciate you for tuning in and listening. And on that note, uh-